Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. So we've talked about uh, Philippians is the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. There's four letters there right, right after First and Second Corinthians. We've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And those are all churches and cities that Paul had uh, gone to. And uh, so Philippians, it was the place was Philippi. There's not two L's, there's two P's in Philippians. So if you're ever typing it into your search bar or something, it won't it doesn't come up. It's because you put two L's. I don't know if anybody else does that. I do it all the time. And I've I've got a degree in how to spell. I can do them in uh I can do them in Greek. I have a problem when I put them in English. So, uh, but we're uh, we're in chapter three. It, Philippi was named after Philip of Macedon, which was Alexander the Great's dad, and uh, and it became a Roman a Roman colony that was mostly old Roman soldiers that retired there. So that's that's where we are. Chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, um, and Paul is going to talk about the Judaizers. And we talk about the, when we, almost all of our New Testament uh, study after, after the Gospels talks about the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were the, a group of Christians, that's important to note that they were Christians but they wanted to make a bunch of rules for especially converts that were coming into Christianity. So by converts, we mean like people from Philippi, all these Greek people that didn't have a Jewish background. And one of the things that they wanted them to do was to be circumcised and follow all the other. Basically, they said, you've got to become Jews first before you can become Christians. Well, Jesus never mentioned any of that. And uh, um, when, when Peter has, before he goes to Cornelius' house, remember he has the dream and, uh, about all the things that come down and the sheet, the, all these foods, and, it, and God says to him, don't call anything unclean that I've said is clean. So, and that was Peter's, introduction to this whole idea that you didn't have to become Jewish first. And Paul jerks the slack out of him and puts him in line several times. But that brings us to verse 1 of chapter 3, and we're going to look at it right here. He says, finally, my brethren, now this, the, Philippians has four chapters. And he, even in chapter 2, he's starting to Say, so to sum it all up, and he says, and, and when he usually says farewell to certain people, he, st he starts doing that in chapter two. And here he has it in chapter three, saying, finally, my brethren, but he's still got two old chapters to go. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. There's that joy again, because that's what rejoice means. It means to like worship with abandon. Uh, rejoice in the Lord for for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. When I, if I say to you, I mean, this sounds to me like it might have been tedious. Because if I say to you, I don't mean to be rude. 
what do you know? I'm probably, I'm being, I'm going to be rude. I don't mean to be rude. And so that's basically what Paul says here. I don't mean to be tedious, even though I may be being tedious because I'm going to whip a dead horse maybe. It's what he's going to say. But for you, it is safe. It's better for me to talk about it too much than not talk about it enough is what he's saying. And he says, beware of dogs. The, the, the only thing worse that he could have said was beware of pigs. But because beware of dogs is almost as bad. Dog, we think about our dogs as being these cute little things. Jim and Yvonne have these little dogs that they just treat like babies at their house, grandchildren. And, but that's not the kind of dogs we're talking about. A picture of those dogs like jackals or something like that in Africa. These dogs lived on the streets and they... They fought each other for scraps of food. People fought for scraps of food. The um, says Judaizers and legalists. Yes. That is who he's... That's who he's talking about. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Now, when, when he says, beware of evil, evil workers, and he's talking about the Judaizers, a lot of the Judaizers he's talking about were actually Pharisees. They're people that follow the law, and they're so devoted to the law that they, that they, and we're going to talk about a word here in a few minutes that hits on this again. But they, they were so devoted to the law that they were willing to be hurtful and harmful in order to do what they thought was right where the law is concerned. So he calls them dogs, evil workers, and they Pharisees went, we're the best. We're the best things on the planet. All we're trying to do is good. We're trying to protect Israel, yada, yada, yada. But he said, no, you're doing evil. Evil workers, beware of the mutilation. And that word mutilation wasn't, uh, it's unusual uh, to find it in the New Testament. It, it, uh, in the Greek, it's talking about uh, pe- people who made scars on their bodies and uh, part of a religious festivals, it, well, and it's the same thing that the prophets of Baal were doing. They said they were cutting themselves and stuff like that. hes They're thinking they're doing this great spiritual thing with circumcision and all. And he says, it's just mutilation because grace has set us free from all that. And when you go back to the law and you start doing that, it's not, it's, it's a religious observance that's no different from the prophets of Baal that were fighting with Elijah, Elisha. Joshua. Okay, so dogs, evil workers, mutilation. For we are we are the circumcision. And he's not talking to Jewish people. He's talking about these. He's talking about these Greeks. We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Nothing you do in the flesh matters. Nothing you, I do in the flesh matters. But in verse 4, he says, though, I also might have confidence in the flesh. Yes. He says, if if you want to use that for a measure, let me put my resume out there. Let me show you what I've got. If you want to measure things that way, let's measure it like that by by, uh, our flesh, things that we've done in the flesh. He says, I might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so because... One, I was circumcised 
on the first day, on the there's, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to, it's number one. I was number one, circumcised on the eighth day. Number two, of the stock of Israel, and 2B is of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul's saying, you want to talk about being Hebrew? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm as Hebrew as it gets. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. So that's the fourth, the third measure. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. That word zeal is really an odd, odd thing because the idea of a zealot is that it's love. It is love that's justifying hate because the zealots, they were so, had so much zeal, they had so much dedication and and not just dedication in mind or uh, to an idea, but I'm so invested at this that to show my love of God, I'm willing to kill. It's love justifying hate. And, and he's accusing them of that, that these, uh, that these Judaizers justified hatefulness by their so-called love of God, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. As, as any Pharisee would say, I, I tithe of my anise and cumin. For us, that would be like our black pepper and our cinnamon or something like that. So he says, but what things were gained to me, he says, I, I, I used to think that way, but now I have a whole different thing. And the picture that he's, draw, that he's using here is of a, an accountant with his books and he balances out his assets and his liabilities. These are the things that are to my credit. So when you add up, add up your house and your cars and what's in your bank account, he's got all these things to his credit. He says, but what things were gain, and that word is profit in the, in the Greek, what, gains, what things were profit to me, now I just put the I put all those over in the loss column for Christ. Yet indeed I wait, where am I? Yet indeed, verse 8, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. So he said, when you put Jesus here, everything else is just a loss. That's the only asset I need in my in the asset column. Nothing else matters. Only Jesus. That's the only thing that's to my credit. And when it says the knowledge, that word, it's gnosko in, uh, in Greek, but it's, it's not just knowledge that we have like the, the state capitals or something like that. It is the intimate knowledge. It's the knowledge of a, a husband and wife for each other. That's, it's that intimate knowledge of Jesus for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. It's one thing to say, well, yeah, that money's gone. My, I cut up my credit cards. He says all of that is rubbish. And by rubbish there, he means manure. Then he says dumb. Right, exactly. That's the same thing. <laughs> Last week, Brent got so excited when he'd find 
dung from elk when it was fresh. Because that means that there's elk somewhere. They've just been where, where you are. I found out that that doesn't always mean a whole lot, but um, that's, what he's, that's what Paul's talking about here. I, those are just nothing. I count all that as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Gain, that's still a, a, an accounting term. He said that's the only thing that counts. Um, I'm wondering if that's where a lot of his power comes from. Because how many things do we count as important to us? And, how, and more important than Jesus even. And, okay, that I may be, gain Christ and be found in him, uh, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Any, any righteousness that I have, it's just legalism. And, and Yvonne mentioned that, that these Judaizers and legalists, that, and we still have those today. We don't have a lot of people that would claim to be Pharisees, but there we do have people who are Pharisees in practice that that count a lot of different rules more important than than well, certainly grace and love and all those kind of things. Okay. Now we found in him, not in my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Hold on here. That, know the power of resurrection, that sounds good, but what about this fellowship of his sufferings? If we look that word fellowship of his partnership, Right. And we were on the cross with him when he suffered. Yes. And that's the way I look at that. And that's the only sufferings that there are? Yes. Okay. But when we have tribulations in this world, we don't know that. Yes. As far as being with him, we're in him, we're in Christ. Yes. Yes. And we have this, this commonality, this overlapping in all things, I think Paul is saying. Uh, but he, but some of the suffering that he is talking about, I think he is going through at that time. It's that that he's going through that right now because of that. That uh, that I made of the powers of resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, resurrection from the dead is um, it. It would be better translated resurrection out from the dead. Literally, that his that it would be pulled out of a pile of bones in the resurrection. And I think that that's probably talking about the in in the the end times and the rapture that when the when everybody is uh, reconstituted. If by any means I may maintain to the attain, that's the word I wanted to call attention to, attain to the resurrection of the dead. That attain is a, is a picture of getting to the finish line. 
And he goes into that with this very next, he says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected or already complete that I've, that I've graduated, you know, with honors or what I've gotten through my program, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. He's got this picture of an Olympic runner that's running this race uh, that he's going to have right here. It's funny that he talks about running this race in the Olympics of, you know, this long race when he can't even leave his house. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I always think of Brother Dwayne right here because he says, one thing I do, and then he names three things. Now, to be fair, I think he's still talking about one thing, but he says, but one thing I do, number one, forgetting things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. That's what, that's the one thing he's doing. I'm pressing on. I'm forgetting whatever's behind me. I don't, there was a movie in the 70s called The Cannonball Run. And when this Italian jumps in this car, he jerks the mirror off, he breaks it off the car, and he throws it back like that. And he goes, what's, of, what's of behind me is of a no consequence. And that's what Paul is saying here. I don't care about anything in my rear view mirror. I don't care about that I was, that I was circumcised on the eighth day. None of that stuff matters. All of that's behind me. I'm forgetting what's behind me. I am looking, just reaching forward. I'm only going ahead, pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus. That that's what, um, and that is premier verse that we talk about sometimes. That's the big one, of I think, of the whole, not just this chapter, but the whole book. Um, that's one of the ones that we learned in Bible school years and years ago. All right. I press toward the goal for the prize of upward call in Christ Jesus. What is the upward call? To mature. To be mature in Christ. Yeah. But he's talking about perfect. I think he's talking about heaven too. Yeah, I'm sure. That that he he's talking. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, certainly, what's right here doesn't matter. The the. Our piddling life right now, it doesn't compare anything. Um, he says, therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. I think that's a dig. And you guys that think anything else, don't. I, I'm sure God's going to reveal it to you. All you guys that think you're so smart, you'll come around the right way of thinking before long. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. <clears throat> He's just talked about the race. Run this race. Run. Run, run, run. I'm, I'm always thinking about um, that verse from Isaiah that um, where we'll mount up on eagles' wings, but then he says we'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint. So he's gone. Don't you think he was calling those things that be not as though they were? Because he's nevertheless to the degree that we have already obtained. By faith we have already obtained. Yes. We're, we're, and we don't look back. Right. We're looking forward. Right. 
And so he says, to this degree we've already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Yes. Do I think he's talking in faith? Yeah. Yeah. But he said, I've not attained it. But as far as we've come towards attaining it, like which by attain, he means reaching it. But his flesh that's right. Okay, so you're you're talking. He's in the spirit, and he's talking about spiritual things. Okay, there's a fullness of glory. I think he's reach, he's reaching for that perfection, that fullness. I mean, we're made righteous, you know. It's, it's, First John says we're um, we're made righteous, so be righteous as you are righteous. So it's something we're made, and then we got to learn to fully walk in it, and then Christ will fully make it, you know, make it complete. Yes, and it's not going to be complete until then. Right. So the but the idea of attaining when you're when you're when you're when you're putting a lot of energy in getting to something. It can be graduating from high school. It can be, or college, or, or but, but whatever, it is, this long race that you're running, it's, all, it's easy to get discouraged. And so that's what I think he's speaking to here in, in the flesh, because we live in this flesh. We live in the reality of, of being able to go from one day to the next day to the next day. So, in, but he's talked about, I'm running, I'm, I'm reaching towards the goal. But he said, but I'm also, sometimes I'm just walking. I'm plodding on. What? The ESV says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So, so far. That's right. He, but he's saying, stick to it. Yeah. Just keep going. Right. And, but the analogy of running a race, don't get discouraged. Because sometimes when you, all you can do is put one, I'm telling y'all, last week, um, Brent, I've renamed him Mountain Goat because it, it is nothing for him to just run up the side of a mountain. It is nothing at all. And, but I, okay, this little hill that goes up here, that, I, I always thought that that was a pretty steep hill, but yeah, it's not anything compared to what, and I mean, I would, I was literally going, well, I had the, these trekking poles in my hand, you know, they look like ski poles, and I'm going, one, two, one, two, one, two. That's what plodding on looks like. Just, uh, just keep one foot moving in front of the other. And, and Paul's saying, sometimes you run in a race, and sometimes all you can do is plod on. But stick to what you've attained. Stick, keep going in that direction. Keep the gold. I press for the gold for the prize. Yes. Okay. So what is the gold of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Be just so like to be more Christ. like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but he got, he gets to that in a minute. The examples that we follow, and I think that ultimately is to be more like Jesus. Um, I mean, we, we talk about that from the stage here. It, that it, Every single day, our goal is to be more like Jesus. And what would that do to the world if we, if we could attain to that more and more? And that was our goal. If I, that was our goal, and we could attain to it more and more. What would it do to the world if, they, if we got 
half a dozen Jesuses walking around here in central Oklahoma. Yes. We still have our flesh that's been crucified, but then two scriptures said later, he says, then keep it crucified. Because we're carrying a dead man around with us. Uh, they can come back to life anytime we want it to. Yeah. 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 And so at one time, this is not that wasn't a joke, because some people laughed at when I said this, but I've studied about dying to the flesh and all that kind of stuff. And one time I just cried out to the Lord, says, Lord, how do I know when I died to the flesh? And this is not a joke. He you know said this to my heart. He says, When you can take a spear in the side and not flinch, your flesh is dead. <laughs> Yeah, and but too often an insult comes our way and we react. That's not being fully, you know. That's not the upward prize. The upward prize is just like, you don't flinch. <laughs> it's like nothing. But yeah. So, okay. So keep on walking by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. All right. And I wrote down before this next section. I wrote. Perfectionism is not, and by perfectionism, I'm talking about our concept of that. Because when the Bible talks about perfection, it's talking about coming to maturity or complete. It's like a tomato when it's perfectly ripe and ready to eat. But, but until that's what perfection is, that maturity, that re, it's ready to eat. If this is what Paul is talking about in these last few verses of chapter 3 is not perfection, but he's talking about less imperfection. That's why we get to less and less imperfection, although we because we never get perfect. But we're moving to more and more towards that, which equals less imperfection. Because look what he talks about in verse 17. He says, Brethren, join in following my example. Now is Paul perfect? No but he's less imperfect than some. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Who's us he's talking about? He's, got, he's already commended two people to the Philippians. Timothy, but he, I'm sending Timothy to you, I hope to anyway, but Epaphroditus, this guy that, that they've sent to minister to Paul, uh, but those are two of the people. He says, for many walk, of whom I've told you often, now that, for many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, I'm crying at how bad this is, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Don't follow those guys. He said, there's a bunch. Many walk that are enemies of the cross. And I believe these are people in the church who are claiming to be Christians. And he says, he said, you can't follow those guys. They're enemies of the cross whose end or their goal is destruction. Not that, 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 that they've got a picture on their refrigerator, a goal written on the, their mirror that they can see while they're shaving, that they're, that's what their goal. He said, that's what their end game is that they're playing. Their game is destruction whose God is their belly. Whenever we see that in in writings in all of scripture, when they're talking about your belly, they're talking about your instinctual drives. They're talking, your drive to feed yourself, your drive towards procreation, to the baser desires that we have to get what we want. That's, he says, their God is their belly. 
It always means that symbolic appetite, which is usually negative. And to be driven by that is either to be an animal, but it's not to be human, to be totally driven by what I want to eat. Because if, you, if you're totally driven by that, then it's no problem for me to eat Greg back there. I'll just, you know, cook him over fire. I, but um, literally, that if you're totally driven by your those instinctual drives that what I want, I, I can have. And oh my gosh, how, how much does that represent our society right now? That there should be no limits, no social mores, so, uh, gu- social guidelines that limit anything I want to do. Anything. I'm not going to go into it, but y'all can all imagine. We see it on the news. We read it in magazines and whatever. It's all over the place. Whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame who set their mind on earthly things. Just... And and that can be simple, but... And we think about these gross examples of all that. But what? how many people are driven to do whatever it takes to get a new car? Or, I mean, or a new spouse? Or a new whatever? I mean, they're just whatever I want. There shouldn't be any limit to that. Well, even a good appetite can go bad if that's what you're trying yeah. to fulfill. Right. I, mean, I got a new teaching coming up called, you know... Um, don't make yourself at home in this world. Because yeah. oh. we do. Oh. Speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of that, he said they got their mind on earthly sea. But, it says four right there. Uh, where am I? Uh, oh, next. For our citizenship, it should say but our citizen. But our citizen, because this is a whole change. It's what, what Jeff just mentioned. Don't get comfortable in this world. Yeah, don't make make yourself at home. Don't make yourself at home in this world because that's not where we're from. This idea of this citizenship, this is like, um, politevma is the word right there. And it represented a community of foreigners. No, a community of citizens who are are living somewhere else. Like Cameron, like our son Cameron, he's lived in Korea for eight, eight almost, what? Eight years. Eight years. Thank you, Pam. I didn't know how long he'd lived there. Eight, he's lived there for eight years, but he's still a citizen of here. He's still on the rolls of this church as a member. I mean, <laughs> Cameron isn't a citizen of Korea even though he's lived there for eight whole years. And a lot of Korean people don't know he's not Korean, even though he doesn't look, he's as much a white boy as any white boy can be. But his citizenship is here. And that's the picture that he's drawing. And because it's, but it's a foreigner. It's someone who, in the place that they're living, they're a foreigner. And it's a, almost like a cuss word to call somebody a foreigner in Korea. And yeah, it's not good. 
we should not be, just like what Jeff's talking we shouldn't be comfortable in this place that we're in because our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be reunited with our brethren, our, the, our countrymen from where we're really from because we have a new citizenship. Who, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body and transform. When, when in Romans chapter 12, when it talks about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that word there is metamorphos, which is the what a, when, a, when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that this natural thing, this this thing that happens naturally. The word here transform is schema. The same word that we get our word schematic that used to come with your television. There was actually a drawing of the circuits in there and you could tell where stuff was. That was a schematic. And it's talking about the design. So when he talks about being our bodies being transformed, it means they'll go back to what their original design was. That's the tra our transformation will go back to what the way God originally designed us. And everything will work the way it was supposed to work from the beginning, except for Adam and Eve messing things up in the garden, and it changed everything. And the flood changed everything. There's a lot of things that's been messed up, but it's gonna, we will be transformed, schemed, go back to the original design of our, uh, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That picture is Jesus bringing everything under submission. Subdue all things unto himself. He can subdue cancer. He can subdue anything that's wrong in this world. He can subdue it. He can subdue messed up people's messed up minds. He can subdue the Republicans. He can subdue the Democrats. He can subdue all the crazy government stuff that goes on. He could subdue my belly. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier for me to climb those mountains in Colorado without it. And so that's what I'm believing for. Um, uh, but it takes a little work with the belief. <laughs> just throw more stones at me, Jimmy. Just go ahead. Paul is not living the reality of this right now. Paul's living rough. A rough existence. Now, he's got food to eat and all, that, but... One of the reasons he's so excited about the Philippians is they had sent him money to take care of it. And he, he said it was so needed. I think he was hungry. I don't think he was getting enough food to eat because they. it's not like in jail where you get three square meals here. It, Paul, Paul was in rough circumstances. I think he's living at home during all this, but he's still, he is not free. But he... It just talks with so much joy because he's living in the reality of that other citizenship. 
He's living the reality of that right now. And I, I believe that we, that we would be good if we could get to that place in our own lives. Amen? It's that perspective, a heavenly perspective, a kingdom perspective. How many, what kind of things could be done? Jesus said he would have passed them by when they were out on the lake, but, but he stops and helps them because they didn't understand about the loaves and the fishes. So they if, cried out for fear. Yeah. So they were afraid. Yeah. And, and, but Jesus goes, don't you remember the loaves and the fishes? You don't have to be afraid. We need to live in that kingdom reality right now. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the encouragement that it brings to us. May we be able to grasp what Paul grasped that brought him so much joy and the ability to rejoice in difficult circumstances that no matter what we come against, whether we're stuck in the airport in Los Angeles or whether we've gotten a scary diagnosis from a doctor, that we can rejoice in whatever circumstances because we know that, that you are taking care of us and we can trust in you for all things that, uh, that you provide for us and that, uh, that we'll be driven by our love for you and our desire to be more Christ-like and just the ability to trust in you and let go and recognize that our real citizenship is in heaven. Bless us as we go from here, that as we become more and more like Jesus, that we'll impact the world around us like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Back in the book and we win.